Good morning, I'm Allison Michaels from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Friday, February 19th. In today's news, the White House announces $4 billion in funding for COVAX, the global vaccine effort that Trump spurned. And a NASA rover called Perseverance landed on Mars in a mission to search for past life. But first, the big idea. Texas has long been devoted to its singular power grid. The state has rejected federal electricity regulation and the kinds of shared high-voltage connections with neighboring states. Those can be found across most of the country. The Post's Will England, Steve Muffson, and Dino Grandoni report that top officials ignored warnings over decades that confidence in the grid was misplaced. Largely, as a result, Texas is entering now its fifth day with widespread power failures after a severe cold snap and snowstorm. In 1989, punishing cold weather that caused power failures across the state led to a federal study that spelled out how to avoid such disaster in the future. The report laid out how to winterize equipment the way more northern power companies do. In 2011, after Arctic weather caused a series of rolling blackouts, the Federal Electricity Regulatory Commission, or FERC, produced another report that warned Texas power companies and regulators again that they had to winterize their equipment. That report, like the earlier one, was largely ignored. The regulatory recriminations are coming after cold and snow that blew in over last weekend and led to a much sharper spike in demand than the state's electricity agency had anticipated. At the same time, the cold caused the equipment needed to run power generators to freeze up. One power plant after another went offline, and utilities had to shed load or cut off customers to keep the whole system from crashing. More than 4 million households in Texas were without electricity on Tuesday. By Thursday afternoon, that number had dropped to hundreds of thousands. But damage and shock remained. Political leaders in Texas prize what they see as the state's self-reliance, its go-it-alone ethos, and its cheap power. As the country and the world stand on the verge of a revolution in distribution of electricity, driven by artificial intelligence and the coming surge of electric vehicles, Texas is proud of having its own energy grid with only minor connections to the rest of the country. And they argue that the state's aggressive deregulation of the grid has brought inexpensive electricity to the state's residents and its businesses. The Electricity Regulatory Council of Texas, or ERCOT, has been getting most of the criticism. This is the agency that oversees the distribution of electricity around the state, and critics say that it has done a poor job of keeping the public informed. The revelation that a third of its board members live in other states where the electricity has been working has sparked outrage because ERCOT is viewed by many residents as a public body. However, others familiar with the practice that it helps ensure a diversity of opinion on the board. Texas Governor Greg Abbott said ERCOT must be overhauled. He and his allies argued that the power problems were caused by frozen wind turbines, underscoring, they said, the need to rely on fossil fuel. That contention has been widely derided by energy experts and by Democratic officeholders. It's even been gently rebuked by the ERCOT chairman. Most of the power loss is linked to generating plants that burn natural gas but have had to go offline because of frozen equipment or a lack of fuel. Abbott's allies also argue that in a state that's rarely visited by severe winter weather, it doesn't make sense to spend a lot of money on preparations to beat the cold. Yet an analysis commissioned in 2013 by ERCOT came up with a different conclusion when it wrestled with the question of what it called the value of lost load. 
In other words, besides the misery and the deaths, how much money is lost to the state's economy when the lights go off? The answer back then was about $6,000 an hour for each megawatt that could have been delivered but wasn't. That figure and that report attracted little attention. On Monday and Tuesday of this week, the state power companies were conservatively falling short by about 20,000 megawatts. That would be $120 million an hour, or $2.8 billion a day. The power failures that have hobbled Texas have prompted warnings that they're indicators of natural disasters to come and that they dramatically illustrate the need to upgrade all of America's electrical systems. More severe heat waves, intense flooding, and other parts of the changing climate are expected to test the metal of electricity generation across the country. Some climate scientists even say rapid changes in the Arctic may lead to more harsh winter storms like this one, leading some to ask whether power plants in places like Texas need to better prepare for ice and snow. And that's the big idea. Here are two other stories that should be on your radar. Number one. The White House is throwing its support behind a global push to distribute coronavirus vaccines equitably. The U.S. is pledging $4 billion to a multilateral effort the Trump administration spurned. The Post's Emily Ruhalla, Aaron Cunningham, and Adam Taylor report that at a group of seven meeting of leaders of the world's largest economies on Friday, President Biden will announce an initial $2 billion in funding for Gavi, that's the Vaccine Alliance, and it will be used by the COVAX facility. The United States will release an additional $2 billion over two years once other donors have made good on their pledges, and will use this week's G7 summit to rally other countries to do more. The money, which was appropriated by a bipartisan congressional vote last year, will give a much-needed boost to a program jointly led by Gavi, the World Health Organization, and the Center for Preparedness Innovations. The director of the Global Health Program at the Council on Foreign Relations said that the money would be significant for COVAX, which has struggled to raise enough funding since it was announced last year. COVAX aims to get coronavirus vaccines to low- and middle-income countries that have been cut out of a vaccine race that's seen rich countries snap up the majority of doses. That means everyone else has to wait. Although more than 190 countries have agreed to participate, the Trump administration opted out, in part because of the former president's feud with the WHO. COVAX has secured 1.1 billion doses so far. But so far, the initiative has not begun deliveries, and it's struggled not just with funding, but also competition from wealthy nations who pursued bilateral deals. COVAX plans to start distributing vaccines in the first half of the year. The White House announcement comes amid growing concern from global health experts that the inequitable distribution of vaccines could prolong the pandemic, not only leaving vulnerable people in developing countries at risk, but also raising the possibility of new variants. The United States Secretary General slammed the distribution of vaccines thus far as wildly uneven and unfair. He did so at a Security Council meeting on Wednesday, saying that 10 countries accounted for 75 percent of all vaccines to date. Global vaccine distribution is among the planned topics for discussions for Friday's G7 meeting, which is hosted by Britain and will be held remotely. A number of world leaders have made proposals ahead of the closed-door meeting. High-income countries have so far secured over 4.6 billion doses among them, far more than all middle-income and all lower-income countries combined, which have, according to Duke University, secured 2.5 million doses. Number two. 
NASA's rover Perseverance landed safely Thursday on Mars. The Post's Joel Achenbach, Sarah Kaplan, and Ben Guarino report that Perseverance will begin an ambitious mission to search for signs of past Martian life and to obtain samples of soil and rock that could someday be hauled back to Earth for study in laboratories. On Tuesday afternoon, the mission leader at the NASA Jet Propulsion Laboratory in Pasadena, California, announced... Touchdown confirmed. Perseverance is safely on the surface of Mars, ready to begin seeking the signs of past life. Cheers, clapping, and fist pumps erupted in the control room, which was half empty because of the coronavirus pandemic. Someone shouted, TRN, TRN, referring to the new terrain relative navigation system that enabled Perseverance's picture-perfect touchdown. The rover quickly produced two low-resolution images of the landing site. It was a landscape pocked with small craters. Dust kicked up by the landing covered the glass shields on the cameras. The pair of photos showed the rover casting a shadow on the Martian landscape. Higher-resolution images from the rover might not be available until Friday morning. Perseverance used its autonomous guidance system to avoid hazardous terrain in the target area. Mars is a notoriously difficult place to land a spacecraft. The vehicle carrying Perseverance entered the Martian atmosphere at 12,000 miles per hour. It used a heat shield to avoid burning up, and then it deployed a parachute while still going nearly twice the speed of sound. Finally, the craft used rocket thrusters to slow down further, and then a system known as a sky crane to lower the rover the final distance to the surface. The landing on rough terrain is the most hazardous phase of this multi-billion dollar mission. The entry, descent, and landing must be accomplished entirely autonomously. Mars is too far from Earth to permit technicians to joystick the landing. A signal between the spacecraft and Pasadena takes 11 minutes at the speed of light. It's really amazing. The spacecraft began a six-month journey through interplanetary space at the end of July and is loaded with navigation software to guide it onto terrain featuring 200-foot cliffs, boulders, and sand-filled craters that could potentially immobilize it. With the rover safely deposited at its landing site, the sky crane flew away and crash-landed elsewhere on the Martian surface. Perseverance will run through a series of self-checkups to make sure its tools survived the descent. Then the robot can get to work. Its first task was to take pictures of its own wheels on the Martian surface. Friday, the agency expects to get better quality images of the spacecraft and of its surroundings. Perseverance is the first NASA rover with the capacity to collect samples of soil and rock and cache them on the Martian surface. If and when the space agency is able to launch a follow-up mission, those spacecraft will retrieve Perseverance's samples and bring them back to Earth. Once here, they can be analyzed with even more sophisticated tools in the world's top labs. And that's The Daily 202 for Friday, February 19th. I'm Allison Michaels. Have a great weekend, and thanks so much for listening. 